the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. And the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here, and it really is a joy to have you join us today. I, uh, I love this church. I just want to say it right out of the gate. I love this church. Um, I love the flexibility and adaptability of this church. This morning, we've had quite an adventurous morning. We had uh, someone pass out on their way in on our back porch, so that was interesting. They're okay. Praise God. Also, when we started to worship, we were missing sound on this side of the stage. That was interesting as well. And so, Taylor and Drew, thanks for flexing and adapting. Maybe you're distracted this morning. Maybe you're discouraged this morning. There's a lot in the air, isn't there? There's a lot happening in our lives, in our homes, in our schools, in our world. Let me invite us to settle our hearts right now. And... I'm going to open with one more word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. And my hope is we not only hear from God's Word, we actually have an encounter with God Himself. Wouldn't that be nice? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask everyone, when was the last time you witnessed the power of love? In an article published a couple months ago, reporter Allah Alassar shared, a baby born weighing less than a pound has beaten the odds and celebrated his first birthday, becoming the most premature baby to survive according to Guinness World Records. 
When Richard Scout William Hutchinson was born five months prematurely, recognized by Guinness as the world's most premature baby, his doctors prepared his parents for the worst. Richard was born at Children's Minnesota Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota, after his mother, Beth, suffered medical complications that caused her to go into labor early. Born 131 days prior to the expected due date and weighing just 11.9 ounces. Think about that. 11.9 ounces. Richard was so tiny, his parents could hold him in a single palm of their hands. Quote, when his father, Rick and Beth, received prenatal counseling on what to expect with a baby born so early, they were given a 0% chance of survival by our neonatology team. Dr. Stacy Kern, Richard's neonatologist, am I saying that right? Heather, thank you. At Children's Minnesota, told Guinness, I knew the first weeks of Richard's life would be very difficult, she'd go on to say, but I felt that if we could make it through that, he would, in fact, survive. Now, here's the kicker. To add to the complications, due to the corona pandemic, Richard's parents were unable to even stay with their child overnight at the hospital, nor were any other family members. So the parents traveled daily from their home in St. Croix County, Wisconsin, all the way to Minneapolis. Every single day they committed to that drive and being by their son's side. And Rick, the dad, would go on to say this, we made sure we were there to give him support. I think that helped him get through this because he knew he could count on us. And sure enough, the little guy made it. For in December 2020, after spending more than six months in the hospital, Richard was able to go home with his family. Here he is, little Richard, celebrating his first birthday. Look at the joy. I especially love this line from the dad. Quote, he could count on us. Doesn't this pull at the heartstrings? Don't we all want a love that will go the distance to ensure our well-being? Don't we all want a love that will stick by us today and through tomorrow? And not only is this what Jesus knows about us, this is what Jesus offers to us in our passage in John 14. So let's look at this over the next few minutes together. The big idea from John 14 today is this. Jesus offers us love that will stand the test of time. Not just through promises, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Katie, Jesus offers us love. Leslie, Jesus offers us love. Aaron, Jesus offers us love that will stand the test of time. Not just through promises, but through the very presence of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna unpack this through two points. Point one, the gospel is all about relationship. And point two, the gospel means we will never be without help or hope. So point one, it's all about relationship. 
Weaving together verses from our passage, we read, If you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you too will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and he will come to him and make, we will make our home with him. So as we look at this passage, have you ever considered how much we actually long for relationship? Think about it. How much we long to be chosen, accepted, and loved. Now, because we have a lot of new people in our church, I thought I'd share a little of my story. Uh, In eighth grade, I was sent away to boarding school. My mom, you see, is a PhD, and uh, we grew up, in fact, I have another friend here from Lake Wales, Florida today, but we grew up in this this town that didn't have the greatest of schools. And my mom was determined to send my brother and I away to get a great education. So off I went in eighth grade to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Anyone from Chattanooga? Anyone from Tennessee? No one here. We need to improve that, guys. Anyway, to a school called the Macaulay School. And I had just turned 13 years old. I would stay there all the way through high school, through my senior year. And now there were a lot of things to navigate at boarding school, and one of those was relationship, specifically figuring out who I would live with every year. You see, the first year, yes, they paired me with a stranger, but then every other year we had to choose or find a roommate with whom we would live. And as you might imagine, this can do a number to a young person's psyche. Who would want to live with me? I would ask going into every single May. Who'd want to do life with me? And yes, every year I'd have to face rejection from some of my classmates. And it was quite the gut check and it was quite the experience. And my experience isn't unique to me, however, is it? All of us at times in life experience the longing for relationship, and sometimes we think we have it, and then oh so quickly we seem to lose it, don't we? All of us long for what social scientists, looking at you, um, social scientists call secure attachment. And now looking at our passage, this is what makes the gospel or the good news of Jesus so very irresistible, so incredible. In our passage, Jesus promises his followers a love and companionship that will stand the test of time. Listen to Jesus' words again with me. If you love me, you will keep my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you just for today. Taylor, just for tomorrow? No, forever. I will not leave you as orphans, our passage goes on. I'm coming to you, Brandon. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. The Father will love him and will come to him and will make our home with him. In other words, Jesus wants you to know he's committed to you, Jay. Little Jay. He wants you to know he chooses you. 
He wants you to know he wants a lasting relationship with you. Now moving, before we move on to point two, I want to share a couple details that I find very powerful under this first point. First, if you're like me, a recovering perfectionist, any recovering perfectionists or Dudley Do-Rights in here, Kendall? I know we're, we're in this together, Kendall. Anyone else? Just give me a nod. Any other? Leslie, I got a hand raise. Okay. Yeah, Taylor, we're in this together. It's easy to read our text and think that the weight of our relationship with Jesus falls on us, isn't it? Listen to this. If you do X, you'll get Y. Do you ever read scripture like that? Let me reassure you that's not what Jesus is saying here. Listen to this. When we read, if you love me, you will keep my commands. The word if in the original language can also be translated when. In other words, we can read John 14, 15 like this. When you love me, you'll keep my commands. In other words, the relationship we have with Jesus will actually result in right living, not from right living. So it's all about presence and proximity, not perfection. We got that? Perfectionist? It's all about presence and proximity. And this leads me to a second textual element that's worth highlighting here. Um, If you look at verse 23, in the scope of the biblical narrative, when God talks about making his home with us, do you realize within the scope of the whole Bible how ridiculous and insane that promise is? I'm going to make my home with you, we read. It means a total and absolute reversal of the fall or the sin of mankind from Genesis, where we read that before the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve, God dwelled with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Jesus is saying that as you have a relationship with me, that will be turned on its head. I will come to you. I will commit to you. I will do life with you forever. Moreover, if you think about the Old Testament and all of the complexities of what it would take to dwell with God, do you remember the most holy of holies getting into that place? Do you remember the sacramental, excuse me, sacrificial system, all the things that would have to be sacrificed? You're like, why all this blood, blah, 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 right? We see to meet with God, let alone dwell with him, was seen as the very greatest gift for humanity. If you look at the whole of Scripture. Thus, this language that Jesus uses here of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coming to make his home with us, it would have sent shockwaves through his original audience. And now to us, in our 21st century sensibilities, it might not translate as powerfully as it did to them, but I just want us to highlight how permanent it is. God wants Scott to be permanently connected to you and to me and to us. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God doesn't want to be far from you. He wants to make his home with you. And that's a game changer. In the words of Tim Keller, quote, real love, the Bible says, instinctively desires permanence, doesn't it? And all of us at our core desire real love, which is what Jesus is promising here. Permanent, lasting love. This leads us to point two. The gospel means 
we will never be without help or hope. Reading verses 16 and 17 and then 25 through 27, Jesus introduces us to someone new, doesn't he? All, excuse me, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Now, I don't know about you, and I've got a witness here from our church growing up in Lake Wales. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a church or in a church tradition that spoke much about the Holy Spirit. Sure, we believed in the Holy Spirit and we read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but honestly, we treated the Holy Spirit like the awkward uncle we'd have to see during the holidays, right? You know that guy or the awkward aunt? Maybe you are that person. We still love you. That's the tradition I grew up in. Who's the Holy Spirit, right? It's only when I went to Wheaton College up in Chicago for my undergraduate degree, and it's only when I personally started reading the Bible and praying myself, and it's only when I started to live on mission with God that I became familiar, acquainted with the Holy Spirit. So allow me, if you will, this is for you, Kathy, allow me, if you will, a few moments just to define the role of the Holy Spirit and then define the responsibilities of the Spirit. You ready? When Jesus says he'll ask the Father and the Father will give us another counselor who will be with us forever, Jesus uses this word paraclete to describe the Holy Spirit. Literally, this word means the one called alongside. You got it? And depending on what translation you read, you might see the word advocate, you might see the word counselor. You might see the word comforter. You might see the word helper, encourager, or true friend. They're in all the different translations. And as one theologian I read this past week points out, even the great reformer Martin Luther used these words, dare trust dare, to, tr to describe the Holy Spirit, from which we can easily hear the title, the truster. Interesting, right? The point being, the Holy Spirit is meant, Garth, to play a dynamic role in each of our lives. As the counselor, the picture we're meant to see here is that of a legal counselor who comes alongside us in critical moments to guide us, support us, and defend us. Think of lawyer. Do we have any people in the law sector here today? I can't help but think of our own Jonathan Huang as I read this passage, a trusted brother of one fellowship, son of Jesus, and a lawyer who likes to take the things that are very complex and look at them through a biblical lens. You see, the Holy Spirit is meant to be a counselor for us, wise counsel. As the comforter, the picture here that we're meant to see is someone who comes alongside us when we walk through struggles and losses in life. Do any of you know a person like that, a comforter? Honestly, Pastor Jim and Kathy are so gifted in this regard. 
just the presence of a comforter, even if they have no answer or solution to our problems, brings us peace. So the Holy Spirit's meant to be not only a counselor for us, but a comforter to us. And then there's this this description, which I really love. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a true friend. Think for a moment of that brother or sister who's committed to stick with you through thick or thin. You have someone like that in your life? It's kind of like Jonathan with David in the Old Testament. The person who has seen you at your worst and still loves you and wants the best for you. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a true friend to us. Now with the role defined, what are their Spirit's responsibilities? Well, our text points out two things. The Spirit will give us help in our faith journey, and He'll give us hope in our faith journey. In verse 26, Jesus says that the Spirit will teach us all things and remind us of everything He's told His followers. Now listen, any entrepreneurs, Aaron Pinnell, this does not mean He's going to give you the numbers to the Powerball lottery. It does not mean you're going to all be uh, you know, nuclear scientists. But it does mean that we'll be able to know everything and have everything to seek to live that fullness of life Jesus promises. Guided by the word of God, knit together as the people of God, the Holy Spirit will give us the right words to say or not say and the right actions to do or not do in our lives. So, Tiger, no matter what you face, you will never be helpless because the Holy Spirit will be with you. Additionally, in verse 27, we read, Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Thus, the Holy Spirit is meant to anchor us in hope. A heavenly hope. One more story. On this specific point that the Holy Spirit not only helps us, but hopes us. I'll never forget a time here in Charleston a few years back when one of our family members in another state was desperately struggling. And I was praying. I was literally praying out loud in our kitchen. And I started to weep. Have you ever wept for a family member or friend who's in a really bad spot? Has it ever kind of channeled down from your voice and your lungs to your gut where you kind of lose even words? That's where I was. And so I was sitting there praying. I had my Bible right there. And I was crying. And next thing you know, I started to pray in in, in what I would only describe as an angelic tongue. And a peace came over me. In a verse just like that, that I have, I've never remembered memorizing, seeing even, it came to me. And I immediately knew I was being called to send that verse to this family member who I had not talked to in a long, long time. And I sent the verse to this family member and immediately, instantly, This man replied, saying, you will not believe this. The Lord just sent me that same verse. You see, this man needed hope. This man needed peace. Something he and I couldn't deliver. Something only God could deliver. 
And that's exactly what the counselor does. The comforter, the true friend, the spirit of the living God does. He delivers. He brings hope. He brings help. He sticks us with us through thick and thin forever. And just to add an update to this story, after nine years of a break in relationship with our extended family, this man who had struggled with addiction for years is sober and doing great. So as we conclude this message, allow me to restate our big idea, but this time through a second person point of view. Kara, Jesus offers you love that will stand the test of time. Not just through promises, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lindsay, Jesus offers you love that will stand the test of time. Not just through promises, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don, Angie, Rachel, Jesus promises you love that will stand the test of time, not just through promises, but the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And to this end, Jesus wants a relationship with you. Shoot, the entire Trinity wants a relationship with us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is offered to all of us who believe and place our faith in Jesus. So if you've not done this or want to do this again, will you place your trust in Jesus today? And this leads me to the second thing. Who here could use a little help or hope this morning? Jesus wants us to have his help and hope. How? By inviting us to embrace the Holy Spirit. As the counselor, he will guide you. As the comforter, he will comfort you. As the true friend, he will stick by you through thick and thin. Friends, one fellowship, let's embrace the Holy Spirit. Will you allow him to come alongside you today and stick with you tomorrow? So as we close, I just want to invite us to actually physically respond in this way. If any of you feel the urge to say yes, to either a new relationship with Jesus, a refreshed relationship with Jesus, or you have some area where you just need help or hope, I'm just gonna invite you to stand when we go to our time of prayer. Feel absolutely no pressure to stand, but it's a sign. And historically, the church has physically responded to invitations to receive the Holy Spirit. So will you receive the Holy Spirit and embrace him Today, Jesus offers us love that will stand the test of time. And it's not just through promises. It's through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. If you feel led to stand, you can stand. You can stay seated. I'm going to pray for us and over us. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and know us and know our anxious thoughts and draw us close to you. For those here in this room or at home that want a relationship with you, I just invite you to say, yes, Lord. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. 
Jesus, I need a relationship with you. Jesus, I trust in you. And for those here who need help or hope, by way of the Holy Spirit, you need deliverance. You need freedom. You need healing. You need something. Maybe words can't even articulate. I just invite you to quietly, even silently, present your request to God right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and minister to every single person in this room, especially those who are standing right now, that you'd pour your gifts into us, you'd pour your love into us, you'd stick by us through thick or thin, God. May that peace that surpasses all understanding flood us and our families in these prayer requests today for our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.